Welcome to the Geek Tea Podcast, where the year is almost half over. It's crazy. We're almost to the longest day of summer. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. It's still crazy at summer to me. I know. We just kind of got to spring in Minnesota, but that's okay, because today we're talking about the best of the first half of 2017, because we did this last year, and I really liked doing that episode, um, especially because, like... A lot of the stuff from the first half of the year gets lost in the shuffle because so many things come out in that, like, November-ish season in time for the holidays, you know? Yeah, and this is one of my favorite kind of things to do as well is just kind of revisit it because I like going back and watching and replaying things and just kind of re-experiencing them. So it's a good way for me to, and I'm also very forgetful, to really appreciate some of the stuff that, that may fall through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, like last year, most of the stuff that we covered at the midway point, it kind of like fell off by the end of the year. Like not a lot of that made it onto our end of the year list. So I think this is like very worthwhile. And I don't know. I think you and I had fun doing it last year. So we're doing it again. Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. So keep in mind, like just like the end of the year things that we do, just like last year at this time, these are things that we discovered or that we got around to in 2017 in the first half of the year. It's not only things that came out this year, although most of it, honestly, probably is. Um, but some of these things are a little bit older than that. So, uh, you know, take that as you will. Um I think you should start it off because you have podcasts and I didn't have any new ones to throw in here. So let's let's yeah. hear what do you got for podcasts? Probably the most memorable thing that I've done in the last six months is listen to S Town. The S Town podcast is about a uh, see how what's the best way to put it? It's about a southern Alabama town uh, that starts out what you think is a true crime, but ends up being kind of a southern gothic romance, not even southern gothic romance. Uh, it's weird. Um, it's like if Eudora Welty and Flannery O'Connor tried to write a William Faulkner novel. It's really presented in that way. And just the longer I've been away from it, the more I've realized the substance that is there. And being from the South and being specifically from just a couple hours north of uh, Woodstock where this takes place, it's really stuck with me on how beautiful it ended up being. That I don't tend to like true crime. And when I found out that that it did, wasn't actually true crime, it made me want to keep going, and it's just kind of a personal narrative that follows this one man's impact on other people. It it was truly fantastic, and if you guys haven't listened to S-Town, go do it, because it, yes, it's a serial spinoff, but it's a spinoff in the, in the loosest way possible. It is not true crime, and because that's not something I care about. Yeah, and this is one that I want to get around to. I want to give it a shot, and I don't know if it's going to be for me. I kind of doubt it, but I thought it was true crime when everybody has like told right. me about it. That's the way people pitch it, and then hearing that from you makes me think, okay, maybe I should actually give this one a shot. It starts out like it's true crime. The first episode makes you think that it's true crime, but it's absolutely not. You find out in—and in, and this is— minor spoiler so skip 30 seconds ahead hey, if you, i think if you everything haven't to we're going to talk about has minor spoilers today so take that as you will none of this is okay. like super super new to being released but i mean we're just going to talk about it like 
that's how it's going to go. Well, fair enough. So in S-Town, you find out that this guy from New York, an NPR radio uh, radio reporter, gets called by this dude in Alabama because there's been a murder in town and he wants him to investigate it. Well, v- very early on, I can't remember if it's in the first or the second episode, you find out there's not really been a murder, that nothing has happened, that there has been no crime committed. But the guy who is, who called him was interesting enough and left enough of a mark on the community that he it's become a profile of him and the first episode has a lot of him in it and i really thought i was gonna hate the show and then by the end of the second episode i realized i was gonna listen to all of it because it was it was very much not what the first episode set it up to be so if you get through it if you do start it void i really 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 suggest at least getting through the first two episodes before giving it up because i was gonna give up in about 15 minutes and my wife told me the same thing and it's really the best thing that i've i've listened to or read or experienced this year i think okay i'll get it into the queue i'm working through uh 99 invisible and i if right, i yep. did have any podcasts on here from the first half of the year that would probably be the one but it's still super new to me i'm not ready to say it was like crazy amazing everyone should like listen to it but I, I like it a lot um and after that i might have some space to listen to whatever's next that has a backlog so s town i will definitely keep in mind and what's great about it is I think I, what I think is great about it is that it has a finite number of episodes. It's not something that is continuous. It is you're going to listen to this season of, I think, seven episodes and you're done. Cool. Um, let's get on to books a little bit, because I know that you only have one in here and it's not even a new one. It's not a new one, but with uh, but it's it's Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, and I've decided I don't remember how much I've mentioned it on here, but I want to do kind of a Cosmere reread before the new Way of Kings book comes out, before the new Stormlight Archive book comes out. So I started with Mistborn, and because it's really the very first of those Cosmere books, uh, kind of ish. So. It's so good. I forgot how good this series is. And as I've moved forward, I have really, really become invested in these characters all over again. And I think it's funny because if you remember the book very well at all, do you remember the character Elend Venture or Eland Venture? I don't know how it's pronounced. No, I've read all six of them. So I remember most of it pretty well. And then I I also did read the Cosmere collection sometime in the last six months. And I didn't think that was good enough to put it in here as a big recommendation. But if you're doing a Cosmere reread, you definitely need to read that one. I've already got it on Audible, actually. I used used one of my credits to be able to grab it so that it was included in this because it's short stories and novellas specifically. And I had a blog blog reader years ago tell me that that I reminded him of Ellen Venture. And I'm still not sure what to make of that. But since he's turned, I I don't know exactly how I am, but... But I like the idea of that because he turned into my favorite character over the course of the series. And so I'm cool with that. But I still don't know the exact uh, the exact way that he meant that. So if you guys read and you read Mistborn, please let me know if I remind you of Ellen Venture and why. Because he we talked a lot, but he never expounded on that. And I'm really curious that that's always in the back of my mind as I'm reading this. Yeah, I would say uh, Mistborn ebbs and flows in qualities, but or in quality of like novel to novel but it starts out good like that first book is really good and then like 
it's worth it. Like reading through yes. all of them so you get the whole context, it's definitely worth it if you look at it from like a series level. Even though I think book two is where I almost gave up on the series the first time through because it's slow and it's long. It is slow. Yeah. I um, like it though. I like a lot of the I like the world he sets up in it, which is one of the reasons I like the Cosmere in general. And I needed to get the the it's been years since I've read the trilogy and Alloy of Law, the first one in the second trilogy. And when I started the second one, which I can't remember the name of uh, off the top of my head because it's not the Bands of Mourning, it's the other one. Uh, but I went and tried to read it, and I couldn't remember enough from the original series and the first one from the Alloy of Law, so I just decided to do all of it again. I figured with other books that I want to read coming out as well, I might as well just do it right and not try not miss anything that I want to want to see. So. Cool. It's awesome. I'm, I'm excited for you to get to the second trilogy because it's very different, but I liked it a lot for different reasons. Well, I love the first one, the Alloy of Law. I loved when I read it. It just, for some reason, did not stick with me. The characters, nothing about the setting other than the magic system and the way that he changed it, I can remember at all. So the second one makes so little sense to me that I have to go back and get the basis of that first one. And if I'm going back to read the first one, I might as well read the first trilogy again i suppose if you have that time go for it <laughs> it's before bed i read before bed yeah so whenever i go i lay down with the kindle paper white in the dark while jennifer sleeps i read a few chapters every night and just power through it that way it's that's how i tend to get my get my reading done uh some people do like a 10 minutes a day kind of regimen and mine is right before i go to bed because during the day i have a hard time getting myself to sit down and do it so it's one of the reasons i haven't read as much as i used to but it also keeps me consistently getting through books that's cool yeah i didn't actually read no i mean i i have been reading consistently um for the last six months but i've read a lot of things that are like good enough or interesting enough and i I like talking about them and i will recommend them but i wouldn't call them like best of like not enough to make the cut for an episode like this but two of them stuck out to me and both of them were sci-fi so one was the collapsing empire by john scalzi which i talked about a bunch um in one of our geekeries so i won't dwell on it too much but it's basically uh, a very interconnected galactic empire that has a specific means of travel and that means of travel slowly stops working. So the empire starts kind of collapsing in on itself because they can't get between all the places anymore. And everything is dependent on each other. There's only one real planet in this empire. And without like all of the network of travel, um, places get cut off. And, it, and it's about like the fallout from that and the start of it. And it's obviously going to be a multi-book series because it just barely starts to happen in this book. But it was very interesting, and I will pick up book two without knowing anything beyond reading book one, which is always, always a good sign for me. It is, and I I love the idea of it. When you talked about it the first time, I, and I'm a huge Scalzi fan anyway, that I just absolutely adore anything that he does. So I've got it on Audible, and I've, I've, it's in my queue of things that I'm listening to. I'm actually listening right now to Calamity by Brandon Sanderson to finish up that trilogy, but... Uh, this the collapsing empire is is the next one on my list cool and it's also it's not a bad spot to start with scalzi if you want something more modern of his that's written just because old man's war has a lot 
after it, even though I still think yes. that's probably one of the best Scalzi books. And it's where I usually recommend people start. I think this one's good because it's the start of a new trilogy. So it's a good spot to jump in. But the other sci-fi that I read this year that is probably one of the best sci-fi books I've read in years and years is Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And I don't know why I haven't picked up book two. I think what happened, I well, I have. I have it on Audible. I have it on Kindle. Like, it's queued up to read. I think what happened was something else came up, and it broke me out of reading. And then when I went back to read again, like, it was like a couple-week break. Um, and then when I went back, I just forgot that I had the second book sitting there. Oh, um, yeah. And then I moved on to other things. And I really have to get back to it because, like, Red Rising was one of my favorite books in the last few years, and it's sci-fi, and it's excellent. And it's all about Mars. Well, not only about Mars, but it's about Mars, and it's about a caste system and how people in the lowest caste get tricked into doing you know, lots of stuff against their will. And it's somebody in that caste who breaks out of the system and then genetically modifies himself so that he can fit in with the top caste and like infiltrate them, with his end goal being to take down everything and it's just i don't know it's just so well written and so interesting and i thought i knew where this book was going and everything that i thought like we were going to was going to happen and that would be predictable it did happen but it happened in the first like tenth of the book and then after that it was just good you know what i mean yeah one of those I were love like books like that okay that i i've had books like that where i'm like okay um um what was the it was one of the brent weeks books the very first of the the assassin trilogy that he did i don't usually like assassin books but the night angel trilogy the very first one of those yes i knew it was it was very formulaic it was very i knew what was going to happen but whenever i saw that it it did every point by point by point by point and then whenever it got to the to the climax it went right through how i thought it was going to end and then it kept going because I was 80% through the book and it was delightful that I was on Kindle. So I didn't realize I still had room left. I wasn't even paying attention. And when I saw that I still had 20% of the book, I just got excited because that doesn't happen where it fools me very often. So uh, that, that sounds fantastic with Red Rising. Yeah. So it's like that. It's only the first 10 or 20% of the book. I was like, okay, this is, I don't know why I got recommended this so much. This is extremely predictable. And then, you know, what I figured would be all of book one happened in the first 10 or 20%. And everything after that, I was just hooked. I was completely hooked. I couldn't put the book down. Like, I loved it. So I'm going to get onto book two very soon, and I will report back when I do that. Awesome. Um, outside of that, TV for me, I haven't, like, found a whole lot of TV or watched. Part of it is I'm just not watching a lot of TV at the moment. Um, the only thing that's new, I mean, I have rewatched some stuff that I like, but the only thing that's really new in the last six months that I highly recommend is the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. So I'm a bim bam, the, yeah. the show instead of the podcast. And it's like a direct extension of the podcast, but it's funny and it's good. And I love their humor and I love the stuff that the McElroys create. So I can just, I can easily recommend that one. It's on CISO right now. But I think they're slowly publishing in other places. Like maybe it's in iTunes. Maybe it's, I'm pretty sure it's not on Amazon yet. But it's a couple other places now. Give it time. It'll get out there, you know, if you don't want to pay for CISO. But even if you do, I paid for CISO for like one month just to watch this show. And CISO is like $3 a month. It's like a fraction oh, wow. of the cost of Hulu or Netflix. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I had no clue it was that like that inexpensive. It's super cheap. Yep. So it's you know spend your three dollars or just do a trial. Do a trial for a week. You can watch this show in the trial period and then cancel before it costs you any money. Um, but yeah, it's it's just good. It's good comedy, and I love the stuff that they put together. But I know you have more TV than I have. Uh, yeah, and I've talked a lot about it in the past, so I probably won't go into the ridiculous depth that uh that I that I could. But the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has really impressed me. That that this show, and I know that that I talked about it the other week, and that you won't like it. That this is a show that is just not your thing. But I'm so impressed by season three with them taking a show that was definitely a niche show and it was definitely a cult show and it still is but it was about this particular topic of this woman who had been trapped in a bunker for 15 years by a religious cult and then being freed and moving to New York as that premise and it was dealing with the fallout of that for two whole seasons and the way that they have taken season three and moved beyond that, that that is simply the character's background now that is her story and foundation for us to know that this season felt so fresh and different from the other ones that yes it dealt with that, that of course that experience informed Kimmy's Kimmy's life and decisions, but the way that the narrative and the stuff that was going on, it didn't revolve around that anymore. That had been resolved and moved forward. And I was I, I just love the way that they did that and moved with these characters. There were a couple of moments this season that I never thought Kimmy Schmidt would make me cry. And there were some just truly sweet moments that happened that you don't think a show this goofy would be able to have. And I'm I was like I said, I was just super impressed. And they brought in David Diggs as a recurring character uh, who who I just absolutely adore from Hamilton. I mean, he was the one who played Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. So I'm a huge fan of his, like absolutely huge. I just love him. And he's a fantastic actor. And seeing him on this just elevated an already fun show to be like, Oh, I love watching these people together and they have such chemistry. The entire cast is just brilliant. So if you guys haven't watched Kimmy Schmidt, start watching season one, you'll love it. Power through season two because it's good. I don't, I shouldn't even say power through watch season two and then realize that season three is the show hitting its stride. And I, if the rest of the show is as good as that, I will, I will binge it on day one every time it comes out. Good. It's always good to find stuff that you like that much. You can just be like, yes, I'm super passionate about it. Yeah, and this one is that I didn't think it was going to be because I didn't want to watch season three. And that's the reason I included it, because Jennifer was like, hey, Kimmy Schmidt's coming out. And I was like, yeah, OK, cool. And she was like, my friend, you know, James is saying that Kimmy Schmidt, he showed me the trailer. I'm so excited about this now. And I'm like, yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. Mm. And then we finally sat down to watch it uh, after one. There's like, hey, I want to watch Kimmy Schmidt. And I'm like, mm, Kimmy Schmidt, let's do something else. And then I fell in with this, that it is that I've realized how good they've done with how much good they have done with this season. And it's, it's fantastic. And that's why I included it because I did season two disappointed me. Season three elevated this show to probably my fate. One of my absolute favorites on TV. And then the other one on your list is another one that you've talked about a lot. I know. Oh, uh, 
Yes, and I am I am caught up. I watch it every time it comes out. That The Handmaid's Tale is still so good. It is just a brilliantly put together show that you watch it and you you get physically sick from seeing it and how it parallels so many of the the global geopolitical stuff that's going on right now. And it's it's crazy how this was in the works before everything that's currently going on started and but as the show goes it's opened up these characters and what you think is happening and what i thought was happening what the show was going to be about it's turned into way more than just another post-apocalyptic story that there is so much meat involved on this one that i've grabbed the uh i have the audible version and the ebook version so that whenever this season is over i can go and then read it and be informed enough to watch the other seasons of it it is so good now it's very slow and very quiet and there's not a lot of dialogue which really surprises me that the more i watch it the episodes are visual they're very visual the the cinematography is great and the story is being told and the characterization is told through visual means more than you can't screw around while you're watching it that if i've tried to play a game on my phone or read an article or something and listen like i do with a lot of tv i can't do it i miss it and i have to rewind because so much happens silently and i really appreciate tv who really uses the medium well that's cool yeah i can i can watch shows like that one time um, if it's like right. slow and a mood piece and it's good, same thing with movies like that. Um, movies without a lot of dialogue, without a lot of like fast pacing. I enjoy a good one of those once and then I just can't yes. rewatch them because I just get bored. But that one's definitely on my list and I'm going to check it out by the end of the year. But then I like, think that I can definitely rewatch this one because Jennifer sat down and watched the end of one episode with me and I realized that I want to share that with her and it was wouldn't bother me that even as slow as it is as as i shouldn't even say slow as deliberately paced as it is it's not it's not plotting it is it's very deliberate in how it's put together and i could watch this one again unlike some of them i absolutely cannot cool and then i know for your movies one of them is super recent and you probably that's one where we should stay away from spoilers because it's been out for like three days yeah um my geekery this week was going to be seeing wonder woman uh because i've seen it twice now and my wife i've i don't remember if i said it on the podcast or if i told you how my wife was was going all in on wonder woman that she is she's not a huge wonder woman comics fan but she is a huge wonder woman fan she's a fan of the character and a fan of the backstory she loves the book um what's it called it's a biography of the creator the untold history of wonder woman i believe is what it's called where just the creation of it and the pop culture proliferation of the character and all of this like she is a huge character a huge fan of it and she is a huge fan of the character in other media like tv shows and the cartoons and things like that and she just never read a whole lot of the comics and we went to see this movie and it is so well done that i know that you aren't planning on seeing it but this is one that oh, i want to I... see it i'm going to see it for sure i just i don't think 
think I can make it while it's in theaters. I just there's is it just really, timing? It's really hard for me to go see a movie in theaters. I have to make like extreme efforts to fit it into my week and to right. like make it work with my wife and kids and it's just it's because I'm married and I have two kids and I have a job that is a lot of work. Like if if I was still freelancing, I would have seen this movie already because I could have squeezed it into my week and I just can't yeah. anymore. Um, I want to see it and I'm going to see it. But chances of me seeing it in theaters as opposed to like seeing it when it comes out at home, like I will see it the first day that I can see it in my house. That's without question. It's just th- a matter of whether I can make it to the theater or not. And I'm thinking no, just knowing how yeah. this month is laid out in terms of scheduling for me. That's true. As busy as you are there, especially it, uh, it will be hard. Um but it's so good that I was like everybody else in the world. I'm pretty much disheartened by the DC cinematic universe that it is just, eh, I've not liked, I've liked man of steel and I haven't, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And then everything else has been garbage that they've put out. Just, just Batman versus Superman, suicide squad garbage. And wonder woman is phenomenal that it holds up to a second viewing. There are obviously, it's obviously not a perfect movie, but it gives me hope that it's not the DC studio that's putting pressure on them and making them ruin things that they have a good creative team and good acting. The writing is good and it's just fun to watch. Be, to be completely honest, it is the kind of fun movie that when you see Iron Man, when you saw it in 2008, where it was just fun to watch the entire time, that's kind of how I felt with this because it felt new and different. And it's not because it had a female protagonist. It's because of the the way that the, the, the action was handled, that it was about more than just chasing this shiny, glowing, shiny MacGuffin like a lot of the Marvel movies are, that there was, there was something there. I was talking about good and evil and just just how perfectly crafted a lot of the situations were I thought was was very well done the casting was spot on that Gal Gadot is just just perfect she is Wonder Woman that that the Amazons on Themyscira are just a delight to watch that that the the action there are probably about too too many slow-mo moments in the movie and if they had cut I noticed on the second viewing but if if they had it, it feels kind of like watching The Matrix for the first time when you're just seeing it's delightful to just see how everything is is that i don't i don't even know um the action is not michael bay transformers action and it's not marvel style action either because it's it's a talky movie but also has some of the just most visceral action move action moments that i've seen in a comic book movie outside of like logan Cool. And I know I will throw in if you guys want more on Wonder Woman, especially spoilery, um, the comic box with Rob, which is another podcast on the network. If you guys don't know by now, um, he has two episodes all about Wonder Woman. And one is like a prep episode that has like a bunch of the history and what might be in the movie and speculation and all that kind of stuff. That's totally spoiler free. And then he has an episode where he did full spoilers. He covered the whole thing. And then I think there might be one coming out from Geektitude this week, too. It might be out already, actually. Um, 
where he saw it with a friend and they both review it. So a couple good review episodes from other people on our network, even though we're not doing a full review of it. Um, and Jennifer and I, and my wife and I, have talked about doing a podcast, a geek out episode for Wonder Woman because she is still talking about it. That we're talking about elements of it that that go beyond the film itself, talking about ramifications and repercussions, and just the idea of, like we said, we were academics in film, so we've been talking a lot about it, and we've we've discussed doing podcasts together on Wonder Woman and Logan because they're Logan is the more the most literary uh, superhero movie, comic book movie that I've seen. And Wonder Woman has a whole lot going for it that is going to be able to elevate the genre if they continue with it. Cool. And I know Logan's your other one on here. Mm. Um, And actually, this is, I don't know if you looked ahead, but Logan was on my geekery for this week because it just oh, came out. It? I didn't even notice Logan being on your geekery. No. Yeah. Uh, so-, so it came out and I watched it at home. And I liked it a lot, but I started it late at night and it was a work night and I watched the whole Uh. thing and then I realized that it was like, oh, I'm supposed to sleep now, actually an hour ago. And that was way too intense of a movie to go to sleep directly after. So I stayed up watching other stuff for a while to kind of reset my brain, but it was really good. And it was like, it was visceral and it was kind of brutal in a way that like none of the other superhero movies have been. And It it was definitely different because of that in a good way. Like you can tell it's its own movie. It's not trying to fit the superhero mold. And I like that about it. Like it has a good story to tell around one character who happens to be a superhero. It's yes. not a superhero genre movie where it's super formulaic. And yeah, I just I wish that like we could get more movies like this, not necessarily in this same genre, but more of the you know, just give a director or a scriptwriter or whoever total control and don't worry about where it fits into the overall universe and, you know, make somebody get a stone that goes to Thanos. Like, I know <laughs> we need those movies too, and I love those movies for what they are, but like this movie throws those into stark contrast because it's so different and so good because of it. Yeah. And that that really is why it's on here is specifically because of the stark contrast between it and other superhero and comic book movies that it it is its own thing. Like David Pumpkins, it's its own thing. Uh, yeah, it's a throwback. That's a callback. Um and uh, back to Halloween, people. Uh, but Lo- no, Logan is its own new kind of superhero movie. And the reason I appreciate it so much is it's R-rated. And I think it does the best with an R rating than... The- I think it does a lot better than Deadpool does. Because Deadpool's fun and funny, but I didn't think that it... <laughs> It was fine. It had some vulgar jokes in it. It was it was hyper violent like you would expect. And it got an R rating because it was that's the only way to do that movie. It's uh, it's also the difference between being violent because you can be violent and being violent to serve the story. Exactly. And that's what I was going to go in. Like this story cannot be told another way. No, the story itself is one of visceral, complete and total violence and brutality 
but it's not overdone. It's not violence for violence's sake like Deadpool is. And that's what Deadpool is. So, I mean, I love it for what it is. And I've seen it multiple times and it's great. But Logan makes use of an R rating like very few movies do. Yeah, and I, I I kind of think about it the same way I think of Daredevil season one was the first time that Marvel could really let loose and be violent. And <laughs> yeah. it's just super violent for violence sake and it doesn't contribute to the story and it almost takes you away from the story because of that and then in later seasons and then in the other netflix shows there's also violence and it would also be like an m rating or an r rating but they use it appropriately to serve the story it's kind of the same thing comparing deadpool to logan deadpool was like let's go all out let's be crude humor let's make it violent because we can make it violent finally and logan is like okay how do we tell a really good story and then use it when it makes sense so yep yep logan was i i mean i've been sitting with it for like two days now so i didn't put it on this list but i could easily see it making on like it onto a list like this for me um the only movie that i had was moana because i didn't see it until this year and it's just it was really good i mean disney movies tend to be really good these days especially the animated ones the 3d you know animated cg ones for kids um and then lin-manuel miranda doing the music like you can tell that he's in there like you can feel you know his hand guiding a bunch of it and it pays off and I've watched Moana a bunch of times since the first time. Um, is it because you have a daughter or is it because you like it so much or a combination? No, I mean, I watched it the first time just because I wanted to watch it. And then after that, it's been like, oh, my wife's watching it or, oh, my kids are watching uh, okay. it. And then I kind of like dip in and out just wherever they are in the movie. But yeah. I like it enough that usually when it's on, I'll sit down and watch the rest of it, which is good. Like that lets me know that it's a movie that I actually really like instead of one where I liked it the first time, but the next time I see it on, I'm like, eh, I saw that already, you know? Right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That I know. And I haven't seen it again since the theater, but I've wanted to, and it's just, it's on my list to sit down and watch one night. Cool. Um, and then we get into games. So I know some of these are the same. Let me get a couple out of the way. Like, yeah. Fire Emblem Heroes, I think, like... <sighs> It's so weird because I have very mixed feelings about it. I think Fire Emblem Heroes is an excellent game up to a point. And I think it is very, very good for getting people into Fire Emblem. Like, it teaches you the basics of Fire Emblem gameplay in a way that I feel the tutorials in the actual Fire Emblem games fail at. But if you play Fire Emblem Heroes just for like a couple days, you get like all of you get enough knowledge that you have your head around like the weapons triangle and how movement works and is impacted and a couple of the basic things that really make fire emblem fire emblem and then you're ready to move on to like fire emblem fates or fire emblem awakening or whatever the new fire emblem switch game is whenever that comes out (laughs) um so on its own it's not bad and for a little while it's extremely good but yeah i I just i don't think this one's gonna make my cut for end of the year but i also couldn't go without mentioning it because i played it for months and i love the content that was there but then it just got a little bit too you know the gotcha game like they just want you to spend money to get characters and then there's no other content to get through you have to wait for them to put out new content that kind of constant treadmill of not making a lot of progress that gets really frustrating so like the end game not so good but everything up to there i really enjoyed and i played it for a while 
I did not spend nearly as much time with it as you did, but I also haven't played any of the main Fire Emblem games, but I liked what it was. And like I've said before, the battlefields were too small for me. The combat uh, and strategy was a little too simplistic, but I can definitely see, like you said, as a gateway into the other Fire Emblem games, it's great. It made me interested in a way I haven't been before because I love turn-based strategy and I see what these the quirks of these characters and how the how the world and art style works together and and just all of this is really cool. I just haven't gone and done it yet, but uh one day I'll gamefly it and play it, but it's it it didn't have the depth to be able to to keep me because a lot of the difficulty came from playing the same map over and over again on different levels of difficulty and i got bored yeah it's a but great it was gateway. fun for what it was it's a great gateway into fire emblem but then it's like it, it just becomes kind of a, a mobile game in that worst mobile game way um yeah. but as a as a gateway it's a great game to get into fire emblem and get introduced to it and then i know you have a mobile game too I do. I am still playing Marvel Future Fight. This is the first time I have ever continually played a mobile game, and I haven't logged in every day for about a month, but up until then, it was every day or two that I was logging in and playing a little bit. And it is the same way as Fire Emblem, where it gets to the end game and it does try to make you pay and buy characters or buy boosts and upgrades, but you don't have to. And I've bought some, but it's it's still a fun game for when I want to smash things as a superhero, and I've got enough of a crew now, enough of a team and a roster that I can do more of the end game stuff that they're putting in, where there are arenas that give you different awards and multiple modes of gameplay that that I would love to see out of Fire Emblem, and it's just because it's been out for a few years is the reason that it's there. I don't think I would have liked it a couple of years ago because there wouldn't have been enough content. But now that it's existed, it's it's great to be able to go in and I can try to climb one of the 20 up to the 25th level of the uh, Shadowlands Tower and get I can get like 11 or 12 stages in on it before my characters are depleted and I just can't I don't have enough people to do it. So it is money gated, but what I've got, it's still fun. That's cool. I'm glad that you found a mobile game that you kind of finally have like latched onto. Um, and then another game for me that we did a whole episode on, so I'm not going to dwell much, is Hitman. Um, and right. like it just barely made the cutoff. Like we recorded our end of the year episode, and then like a week or two later, I finally got around to playing Hitman last year. So it was uh -huh. right at the end of last year, beginning of this year. So it kind of counts. Um, it's in that weird middle spot where it could be either of them. And the thing is, Hitman would have made my game of the year last year. It would have been not the game of the year, but it would have been in my top five for sure. Absolutely. Like, without a question. Um, it has some of the most interesting systems in a game that I've seen maybe ever. Just the way that they are interconnected is absolutely fascinating to me. And learning a level like the back of your hand, like there's a there's something about that that no other game has captured the feeling I got when I got to that level of skill on a certain level in a really right. long time. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to dwell on it. We have a whole episode about it at the you know, beginning of the year, and I'm not going to count it towards the end of the year list this year because it's in that weird middle ground, but I have to bring it up just one last time. If Hitman happened to like pass you by and you just didn't give it a second look because you've tried old Hitman games, 
Like, this one is worth your time to at least take a look at it because it's just fantastic. And now we're far enough out from it that it's on sale a lot of the time. You can get the whole season for, like, super cheap. And it's really good. I don't tend to like games like that, and partly because I'm terrible at them and partly because I am ultra impatient when I come to when it comes to games so I don't I really am not able to play a stealth game like I like it's supposed to be played but Hitman is really good that even though I'm not good at the genre and I don't like it very much I can see and appreciate and have fun with just how wonderful of an example it is of that genre and the systems in it i didn't you know didn't do nearly as in-depth as you did but what i've played of it it's one where i'll go back and play it more that as i see it in my steam library i guarantee because there's already been times where it's like yep I'm going to play Hitman right now because I see it like, oh, yeah, that's fun. I like I want to do something like that. I couldn't play it over. I couldn't binge it. I couldn't do it like you do an MMO or a JRPG. But having having a scenario or two just whenever I see it. Yeah, I'll do that. It, It is a great game. Sweet. And then you have an MMO in here, which surprises me a lot. It surprises me a lot, too, because uh, I, man, I've so gotten into WoW that there is no way that I can't not mention it. Over the last few weeks, I've mentioned it in Geekery, and I'm still playing it. I'm still enjoying it, that there is enough in Legion, and maybe it's my personality has changed. I'm really not sure if it is the game itself or me who has changed. But coming even from the end of Warlords of Draenor into the midpoint here of Legion, I'm not pushed by gear right now. I've gotten to the point where I'm caught up and I can do any of the content that I want to. But there is enough stuff to do that I can bounce between and really have fun no matter what I'm doing. Like yesterday, I went and I unlocked flying in Draenor because I was mostly done with it. And I just went and finished the few quest lines that I hadn't finished out. And I was way closer than I thought, but it gave me a new mount, which is hideous. That that sky terror that they give you for finishing out flying in Warlords of Draenor awful and hideous it is awful uh, but i can fly on my alts i can get my druid in there and have way more fun alt leveling him from 90 to 100 because i've got flying and they've gated a lot of the content in in legion uh even some of the the higher level dungeons are actually gated behind quests the way that final fantasy 14 does and it's just as frustrating as wow don't get me wrong i complained about it in final fantasy last week so i'm not going to say it works in wow because it's still very frustrating but there is so much other stuff to do especially in the zones that they're gated in that i never felt that i was prohibited by that, like even today, I un- I started the quest line for uh, for two of the dungeons I haven't been able to do yet because of that gating, and it was frustrating that I couldn't do it. But I've been entertained and didn't feel as though I was forced that direction. So it's it's been super fun that that I can treat it almost like a sandbox now, where it's a theme park MMO that finally has enough content after the last 13 years i suppose 2004 2017 yeah 14 years 13 maths uh 13 years um that it's it there's enough to do that i don't feel like i'm on a gear treadmill anymore i spent a couple of days 
getting my gear up to where I could do whatever I want to do, and now I just run around teleporting and flying and doing whatever I want to do. Cool. It's, it's that's great. A, that's a really good place to be with an MMO, too. Um, yeah. So one we both have on here is Zelda Breath of the Wild. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be very surprised if this doesn't make the end of the year list for both of us. Like, it was just, it was amazing and we did a whole episode on it, and you should listen to that one, too, because that was so fun to talk about in depth. But, I mean, I guess just high level, it it reinvented Zelda. And I yes. haven't loved Zelda in a really long time, probably not since, like, Ocarina or Majora's Mask, when they kind of reinvented themselves into 3D for the first time. Um, I've played all of it since then, and there are parts that I liked, and there are parts I liked a lot. There were games where I really, really didn't like them, even though they were Zelda games. And it was just, it was becoming rote, it was becoming predictable, and this just, like, it it overcame all of that, and now it's a new thing, and I love it. I I love this game, and I think you do too. (laughs) I do. It, it. It made me buy a Wii U, so, so after hearing everything about it uh, for a few days, a uh, week maybe, of people talking about exactly what you just said, it made me want it because I was afraid of the same thing that, that had come from the other Zelda games, like you said, becoming rote, doing the same kind of stuff over and over again, but it really did reinvent it. And I was at lunch today, and we went to lunch with, with some of our friends, and they have a daughter who's going into second grade next year. So she's about seven years old. And uh, Patrick looked at me and uh, looked down at her and said, why don't you tell BJ what game you've been playing? And after a while, she was being really shy and she told me it was Zelda. And uh, then she looked at me and the seven-year-old just looked up and was like, I'm almost to the last divine beast. And I'm like, this game beat me to death. How are you playing this? Oh my goodness. But because it's brutal, the game is hard. And it's, I know she's playing it with her dad. So when something comes up, she, her, her dad's going to handle the, the super hard parts. But it was, kids are playing this. And it, it delights me because that was what I was doing at that, at that age too. It's super cool. It's super awesome. Yeah, it's a really good game. And I'm sure like we'll talk about it at the end of the year again too. The only way that I see it not being highly ranked, because it'll be on there regardless, like you said, is if the content that comes out, the DLC is bad. That the first DLC seems kind of eh to me, but if the second one is is straight up bad or not fun or doesn't add a lot to it, I can see it being lower ranked than other stuff at the end of the year. Because I'm hesitant about DLC because of the way Nintendo hasn't done a lot of it in the past. Oh, I don't, yeah, that it won't affect me. Like, whatever. If DLC's bad, I just ignore it. It doesn't mm. bring a game down for me at all. You just okay. don't buy it. No big deal. Um, But that's me. I guess the only other game that I have on here is Persona 5. And in any other year, I don't see a way that, like, Breath of the Wild isn't my game of the year. And this year, I'm pretty sure Persona 5 is going to hold that spot because I loved Persona 5 and I love a really good JRPG. And this is a really good JRPG. Um, Yeah, it I mean, it, it lived up to my expectations, which was a lot. I was expecting a lot out of this game and it was amazing. And if I had the time, I would already be playing it again. Like, I want to play this game again which says a lot after dumping, like, what, 80 hours into it or whatever I ended up doing. Yeah, I think you said 75, 80, 85 was somewhere around there. It was was in that realm. Yeah, so it was a lot, 
and I, I don't know. I still just, I love Persona 5, and I'm going to play it again. I know that I will at some point. I just don't know when, and I'm afraid that if I start playing it again, I will ignore all the other games around me that are new, and I will just play it through, and it's a yeah. huge time commitment. So I'm scared to start it up again because it's so good that it might hook me once again. Um, the other game-related thing on here that I can't go without saying is the Nintendo Switch because it is my favorite thing that has come out this year uh, above everything else that we've talked about easily. Like that is how much the form factor of the Nintendo switch fits into my life just perfectly. Like I want every game that I play to be on the Nintendo switch. That's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. Like there are some games that fit better on one platform or another, but for the most part, I wish that every game that was coming out right now was coming out on the switch so that I could play it everywhere. Like I haul it around the house I put it in the dock when I'm downstairs on the big TV. I put it on the second dock, which I bought, and I don't know if I ever mentioned on the podcast, but I have one upstairs on my other TV. Yep. Uh, I played in bed. I played in chairs. I play it, like, all over, and I play with my kids, too. Like, we dock it, and we play a bunch of games together. I just, I want there to be more games, but that's not a knock against Nintendo. It's just that the system has barely even been out for three months. Yeah, and, it's a new system, of course. Yeah, like, the library will come. The main thing right now is just the form factor is so like perfect they just nailed it and i love this system like without a doubt um so yeah i can't have an episode like this and not mention how amazing i think the nintendo switch is and that was uh yeah i want one so bad but all of the games that i want to play are games that i have access to on the wii u so next year at some point I'll grab one to be able to play Mario Odyssey and other games that are that are out that I really, really desperately want to play. But right now, I can't justify the money with having access to them for a cheaper price because I've already played through Zelda and I'm not playing through it again to have the DLC on a different system or anything like that. So I'll get a Switch because it's it's lovely and I'm going, there's no way that I will be able to resist getting one over the long haul. But it'll be next year at least before I get one because I want the library to build. Yeah, I bet there's going to be a bunch of tempting like packages this yes. holiday season of it. Um, I think the issue becomes whether they can keep them on the shelves or not because everywhere is just selling out all the time. Like it's really hard to find, um, which is good. I mean, that's good. Right. It's not good if you don't own one, but it's good for Nintendo, especially after how hard the Wii U flopped. They needed a big win like this and yes. the switch is well on its way. So they're increasing production. They're going to get like, I think they're aiming for 10 million out there by the end of the year and they're probably going to okay. sell them all. No problem, which is great. Like I want people to buy the system. So developers support it so that I can have all of the games on the Nintendo switch. Yeah. But that's kind of it for the best of the first half of the year. But outside of that, before we get into the other, other normal stuff, don't forget yeah. our mini topic episode or ask us anything or questions, whatever you want it to be. Send them our way because that episode's coming up pretty soon, probably in just a couple weeks here now. Um, we don't have the date locked down for sure, but it's going to be sooner rather than later. So there's a thread on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geek cast. Otherwise, the best way is probably just tweet them at me because I'm gathering them all together. Or you could tweet them at geek to geek cast. Either way, I will see it. I will copy it over into the show notes for that document and that day and we will answer whatever you guys throw our way. So don't forget about that. And it's so much fun, you guys. So please do that. We love answering these. They, they come up with some discussions that we wouldn't 
ever be able to come up with on our own. So please throw them at us. And this week for Geeky Offer of the Week, we have Audible, like normal. Um, I'm going to re-recommend one I did earlier this year, Red Rising, because it's on my list today, and I already talked about it, and it's really good. And I want more people to read it or listen to it, because I split the difference on this one. I read parts of it, and I listened to parts of it, and both of them were fantastic. Um, So... Go listen to Red Rising or anything. You can get any book with the offer code. Well, it's not an offer code. Just go to Geek. No, go to. Oh, man. This is what happens. I'm not going to edit this. Sometimes this happens, guys, and I just cut it out and I make myself sound better in post. Not today. Go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and you can get a free book of your choice, but it should probably be Red Rising. Oh, and to be fair. While you were talking about Red Rising earlier, I went and used one of my last Audible credits on it because you were talking about how wonderful it is. So so I did it. You guys should, too. Awesome. I like it. And with that, it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. You didn't have a lot, but you wanted to talk about Hearthstone. I Okay, so I haven't logged into Hearthstone in over a year. That it was the end of April last year that I logged in because, and I know this because I got my April 2016 card back from uh, getting ranked 20 in that season, but uh, I just hadn't cared, and I decided I wanted something to mess around with, and I, I, I guess playing WoW has made me want to play it a little bit more, but I did. I just wanted something different on my phone and a card game sounded good and I'd been seeing some people post about it I saw somebody post a picture of a legendary that they opened up and I realized I hadn't seen the last three card sets they had put out so I so I downloaded it again installed it and have been playing it a little bit here and there but I wanted to comment specifically on how easy it is to get back into because of the the recommended decks that they have now that you had talked about doing this before about just putting in the cards that you that you have filling it out and letting blizzard give you a template for a deck that that has mechanics on its own and are themed oh yeah and the deck recipes are the best thing they've added to that game probably since launch yeah, because they're great. They're the reason I was able to get back in because now they've changed it where they're standard and wild. And I refuse to play wild because there are cards that frustrated me so badly that I, that really is part of the reason that I stopped playing. And those have cycled out now where they're not allowed in ranked play and that most people won't be able to use. So I was like, no, I am not playing anymore with Dr. Boom. I'm sorry. And so I, uh, so I went and, and used some of my dust that I'd accumulated. I had about 2,000 dust and made a couple of decks out of those and made myself a new priest Cthune deck and a and a paladin quest deck with dinosaurs that dino sizes things and they're great. Those recipes make the game so much better. And I don't know what the time frame is, but because I came back after a while, they had a special offer in the store for 10 free packs and a guaranteed legendary for $5. So it was 50 cents a pack and uh, with a guaranteed legendary, which it was a shaman legendary it was Alakir that I disenchanted because eh, shaman, but I, which I've tried and I don't like playing, uh, but 
I was like, $5 for 10 packs? Yeah, I'll do that. And so if you haven't logged in in a while, you should go do that. And then there were get back into the game quests that gave three packs each of Classic, because Classic is always going to be within standard, uh, the standard format that you can play in ranked. And so I was able to get like seven or eight packs that way of cards uh, on top of some that uh, for the new Ongoro set that I had three packs just waiting for me for it. So I got tons of new cards, tons of things to play with, enough duplicates that I could disenchant to make some of these new deck recipes. And it really felt like I was jumping back into a brand new game because of the new cards that were coming out and that I hadn't seen. So they've really made it good for people like me who haven't logged in in a while to not feel over overwhelmed and coming back they they really know what they're doing unlike any other game that i've played about coming back and catching up i had no idea that stuff was in there so that's why i wanted to talk about it as geekery this week because i really was geeking out on how easy it was to go back and uh not just walk away again after seeing so much new stuff that's cool yeah i actually played a digital card game this week too i tried out elder scrolls legends which is in beta right now so you can play it for free on steam and i think other places too um but i tried it and you know it was okay like it essentially it's just hearthstone reskinned with elder scrolls stuff and then instead of played on like a board where there's just their side and your side it's the same thing, but it's divided into two lanes. So if you deploy someone into the left lane, they can't attack things in the right lane. So it's just okay. kind of like having two fields of battle instead of one. Besides that, it's just Hearthstone. And like, I played it, but in playing it, I was like, you know, if I was going to get back into a like, digital card game, I would just play Hearthstone instead. Um <laughs> That said, I mean, the beginning of a new game is always fun because there's not, like, decks that everybody plays. There's not a huge metagame. There's not all of the weight and, like, trying to re-get back into it like you were saying. So I would probably play this more if it were on mobile, but the beta is only on PC. So I played it for, like, an hour, maybe two, and then I just stepped away. I was like, no, I, you know, if I want this right now, I'll play Hearthstone. If it comes out on mobile later, I will probably give it more of a shot. And that's kind of where I landed with it. Um, I also and you have play- to think, remember that Hearthstone was only on PC first, too, that the iOS and Android versions were much later. So we were playing it on PC for a long time, or at least I was. Did you play it at all before it came out on the phone? Yeah, I played it on like all the systems that it came out on, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, I liked it, but um, I don't know. I just, when I'm sitting down oh, the phone, at a yeah. computer... I feel like I have better games to play than a digital card game. Like, it's just, it doesn't feel like the right fit. It feels like those games should be on a tablet or on your phone or just somewhere else that's more mobile. Like, if I'm sitting down at a PC, like, I have a lot of gaming power. I have, you know, my full attention on it. It's just the card games don't take that much attention and energy and, like, horsepower in a computer. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't feel like it fits right, even though I know some people love playing it on the PC or Mac or whatever. Um, I also played Danger Zone this week, which, have you ever played the Burnout series? Yeah, Okay, did you play the crash modes in them in the earlier games? Not that I remember, no. Okay, so this analogy might not work for you, but 
it's basically a crash mode from one of those burnout games but without any like heart and soul behind it oh um it's some of the same team that had worked on those and it's a game that's entirely dedicated to that crash mode and it just doesn't have something underneath it just feels cold it feels lifeless it feels like they didn't understand mm. like where the fun is even though the mechanics are pretty much the same and it's, yeah it's one of those things where it's hard to put your finger on it but it's just not quite right so i played it and i bought it for a night or i bought it and then i played it for a night and then i just kind of moved on um i would love to see this be fleshed out into a better game that feels more full and more interesting but as it sits right now i can't recommend it <laughs> Sadly, yeah. you're better off going back to the old Burnout games and playing it there instead. I also played more of Has Been Heroes, which I mentioned I was going to do. Yeah. And it is a really good puzzle game, but it's secretly a puzzle game. Like if you look at the trailers, if you look at screenshots or like descriptions of the game, it sounds like an action game that's played in lanes and yes. a roguelike. And it like it kind of is those things. But the trick is you should always be pausing like this game is not a game to play in real time. This is a game to always pause and think about your next move. It is like a slow thinking puzzle game. And when you play it that that way, it's just like, it is amazing. There are some amazing mechanics in here. But man, the developers do not message them well at all. Like, you could easily get into this game, think you understand it, play it in real time, and just keep dying over and over without understanding why or like even some of the basic mechanics of the game which is that's on them for having really bad messaging you know yeah and and that is and one thing that with you saying this that is a hidden puzzle game and we talked about this last week and the more i've thought about that is it intentional that is it the developers wanting you to play it this way like with you pausing it is that a part of the game or are you just pausing the game to do it or is it a mechanic within it that you can you can really really freeze the battlefield no it's a mechanic it's dedicated okay. to one of the buttons to pause and unpause then, yep never mind then that that okay i was like if you're just pausing it to do it then then eh, i could see how the developers you may just be playing the game a different way than the developers intended nope you but, pause nope, there's a if dedicated it's a button, button that pauses the playing field and gives you complete control over selecting everything and like queuing up your next move like it's definitely supposed to be part of the game oh they yep, just sure don't is. teach you how to play the game well because and here's the best example there's a bunch of little mechanics that i'm not going to get into because you guys don't need to know but the main thing is there there are guys walking towards you right you have characters that can attack them and at a glance, it looks like you should probably just attack whoever is closest to you and try to kill them before they get to you, right? Like, you've looked at the screenshots. That's yeah. kind of what comes across, right? It does. It looks kind of like a final fight-ish fantasy lane-based action game. Yeah, and the trick is you should not worry about your attack power. You should not worry about their health. You should not worry about your own health or your own shield at all. The two things that actually matter are how much stamina they have, which are these little green dots next to their health, and how many attacks your character does. So that is denoted like right above your character as a little one, two, or three. And it's like two of the smallest UI elements are actually the most important part of the puzzle of this game. So what happens is you have three characters. There's, let's just, for example, warrior does one attack. 
Um, you have a mage that does two attacks. You have a rogue that does three attacks, right? So anytime you send them against the enemy, they're going to do that many attacks. So if you have a guy walking towards you and he has three of those stamina icons next to him, what you want to do is switch the rogue into that lane and have the rogue do those three attacks on that character. It won't do any damage to the health. All it will do is get rid of those three little like stamina icons and then stun them. And the character will sit there. And then what you have to do is switch in one of your other two characters. And now that 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 the enemy is stunned, you send that other character to attack it. And what happens is if you attack a stunned character, they permanently lose one of the the stamina icons. So those little shields that are protecting their health. Uh And they go flying all the way back to the end of their lane. And that is the key thing to understand about playing this game. And they never really explain it as well as they should. So... The whole game hmm. becomes about moving the right character into the right lane to do exactly the amount of attacks that it would take to get rid of their stamina without doing any damage to their health. So they become stunned and then switching a new yeah. character in there and attacking. Like, that's the core of the game. And when you play it like that, it's very, very interesting. But, that like, you look at a bunch of screenshots and gameplay, right? Would you have ever gotten that from anything you saw? No. Even from watching the videos and trailers and stuff, no, I never would have never would have expected that. Yeah. So once you do that, it's like it's it's really fun. It's not a game that I can dive into for hours, but it's a really fun puzzle game. And I'm glad I have it on the Switch because I'm gonna use it as a palette cleanser as time goes on. Like yeah. when you're switching between games or you just have a little bit and you want to play something quick. Um so I like that. I, I, I like it a lot, but I just I think the developer did a really bad job of explaining their own game, which is sad because I haven't even looked. I bet this game has really low ratings, and I bet a bunch of people just said it's hard. It has a really bad learning curve. This game is bad. Like, yeah, I would not be surprised. I haven't looked either, that. but that, I wouldn't be surprised at that. No. Um, I also did a couple other things this week. I started a fantasy movie league because I got invited mm-hmm. to it, where you right. like pick movies to go on your make-believe screens for the week and then you get the amount of money that those movies bring in kind of like a fantasy sports thing but for movies um i don't know how i feel about it yet i'll report back because it's a it's a season thing it's a summer thing so as it goes on i'll let you guys know and then i watched logan i already talked about that um i watched the lego batman movie with my son and it was all right there were a lot of references that were funny. Um, it had a decent story on its own, but it right. it used the Warner Brothers properties really well. Like they pulled bad guys from a bunch of different Warner Brothers properties and pulled them all into this movie, even though you wouldn't think they fit. So people like Voldemort show up. And oh, like, cool. Yeah. Like a bunch of other people, you know, like King Kong shows up. Stuff like that are in this movie. And I need to see this movie and it, it, I kind of forgot that it was out on on home video right now. And the other thing is, if you've seen any of the past Batman movies, there are a bunch of jokes at other Batman movies' expenses in a really good way that's fun and funny. So I like that one a lot. Uh, My son liked it just at face value, and then I liked it for all of the kind of hidden things that were in there. Right, Um, that's the way my nephew was. Yeah, and then I watched Master of None Season 2, and I still really like that show. It's still like... I don't know what to say about it. It's just kind of like a slice of life, but a yeah. modern take on it for, you know, 
30 somethings, late twenties, early thirties, something, you know, people that are essentially our age. Um, yep. and it's just kind of a slice of life in a couple different places. It's not all in New York this time. Um, and you know, the life situation, like he's not a guy who's married with kids, but I can still relate to a lot of the things in that show. So right. yep. I think anyone who's roughly our age should take a look at it. You might not end up liking it, but at least watch a couple episodes of master of none and you'll be able to figure out if it's for you or not. I think I've seen the first three episodes of it, maybe four. It was just past where where his parents were introduced the first time. I think one episode past that. And it's a very good show. We just something came up. We never went back. And it was kind of like you mentioned earlier that once you got out of the got it out of your mind and out of sight, it was like, oh, I need to go back and see that sometime and just never gone back. But I keep hearing such good things from you. And Austin keeps telling me that it's just great. And I love Aziz Ansari. I just love him. Yeah. If you love him, then you have to go watch it. Oh, yeah. And I, I know. I love it. And we've been watching. There's a there's a skit that he's done recurring on uh, Jimmy Fallon show, which I do not like Jimmy Fallon. But it uh, there are a couple of bits that he does where he re- they read Yelp reviews dramatically as though one of them is the customer and one of them is the is the business owner. And that is hilarious. And so it's made me think of Master and Nun even before you mention it. Yeah, let me know if you check that out because I'd be interested to see what you think of it. And then the last thing I did this week, um, I resubscribed to The Economist, which I haven't done since college because oh. I had a really cheap subscription in college when I was a student. And right. then there was a long period there where I just I couldn't justify the money that The Economist takes to buy every week. Um, yeah. And now I, I did. I finally did. Like with what my job is now in my new role that I started this year, um, just keeping an eye on like the world and the U.S. in terms of business is really, really useful for me. And I forgot how much I like keeping an eye on like the high level of all of this kind of stuff going on in the world. So it's not I mean, there's politics in it, but I usually don't read a ton of the politics part. I read a lot of like the business section, which makes me sound super old. But it does. But I was, it's like, I was... it's really interesting. The thing is, like, if you have to deal with business every day and you're in charge of budgets and planning and quarter performance and stuff that I now find myself in charge of, um, this suddenly becomes much more fascinating than it used to be. But like I said, I actually liked this in college, too. So it's not that surprising to me that I still like it. It's just uh, I like I said, this is subscription I didn't want to pay for for a while, and now money is less tight. And I'm like, yeah, I should give it a shot again. And I definitely yep. don't regret it. Have you ever read an art like an uh, issue? I want to say episode or article, but it's not. It's an <laughs> issue of uh, the Economist. Not a print issue. I've read online articles that they've done, and that tends to be how I read a lot of publications, like you know everyone else in the world these days. But I haven't ever read an issue of it. Nuh-uh. Okay. Yeah, I got a subscription that gives me both the all of the digital content and then also a physical one. And right. um, I think when my trial period is over, I might get rid of the physical one and just keep the digital mm. because all the content is there, which is fine. Um, but yeah, no, I find myself really liking it. And there's there's a couple apps you can install once you have the digital version that give you full access to all of it. Um, and then there's one that's called The Economist Espresso, which is like top six things for the day that are hmm. very quick hit stories they're not super in-depth and i find myself now that i have the subscription i check that every day really it's a lot of just like yeah i and i don't i don't know i'm just kind of in that business world business mode 
Um, so some of it is my job, but honestly, like I said, I found this stuff interesting even way before when I was in college, before I ever had a real full-time job in the first place. So if you're looking for a news source or like a news magazine that comes out weekly and it doesn't dive into like the horse race day-to-day cable news 24-7 cycle that I hate, I hate that. Right. Like check out The Economist because it's high level and it's interesting and it's well-written and it's well-researched and I don't know if it's totally unbiased, but at least it's a worldview and it's not just like a U.S., you know, left or right publication. And I... I tend to read the Washington Post is the one I read the most. We get it through our Amazon Prime membership, so I really like it. But it there is a there's a particular I can't even remember what the emails are, but there's a daily digest they send that I just love that I catch every day. That it's one of the very few email lists that I read and click through just to keep up keep apprised of things. And it's not all politics. I mean, there's a lot of politics, but I just like seeing the stuff that the post is doing because they tend to hit the interest that I really want to know about. Cool. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about some of our news consumption later. Not today. Yeah. Maybe in another episode. If people are interested in what we think of the modern news media, oh man, that would be a dangerous episode to record. Oh man, um, that one would be super hard to uh, to do without uh, <laughs> without it exploding. The problem is that I'm a student of media, so I have way too many thoughts on the issue. Okay, we'll set that aside. Um, that's probably it for today. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And don't forget, send your questions and thoughts and topics and many ideas my way. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier with the Wonder Woman stuff, we do have an entire podcast network we've got the comic box and geekitude as well so if you're lot you guys if you're not listening to all of the podcasts you can head over to geek2geekcast.com and check them all out and see if we have anything that tickles your fancy I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN mushroom that's green mushroom without the ease on Twitter that's also a good place to send your questions and your mini topics I'm really pushing it this week we're almost done pushing this send stuff my way. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's, and you can send them to me as well. I will point them in his direction or put them in the uh, in the document that we use. And you can find me online at bjkeaton.com. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeky peekies. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.